The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. The world is opening up again, and a lot of us are itching to travel. Now, there's so many reasons to go somewhere different. You can be immersed in a completely unique environment or you can come face to face with nature or history you can be with people you love or those you'd never meet otherwise or you can discover yourself in a different place my guests today travel the world to discover what it takes to be a mindful human we'll meet them in this episode and find out some of what they've learned. Hi, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving weekend to you. I'm Victoria Moran, your host for the Main Street Vegan Program, and I don't know about you, but this time of year, my inner kid starts to come out and be absolutely gleeful. So I am about to start an advent calendar, pull out the cookie recipes, get tickets to the Nutcracker or Radio City, or this year, maybe both since I didn't do anything last year, And overall, I just like having a little bit more joy as the default. So as part of that this time of year, I've invited guests starting today and going on through the season who will really inspire us here on the Spiritual and Spirited Vegan Podcast. And I'm pleased today to welcome Bianca and Michael Alexander, a married couple who host Conscious Living TV that's streaming on Amazon Prime and it's in its fourth season on PBS. Michael is a vegan chef and Bianca is a yogi. And as they traverse the globe, they discover unique yoga and wellness adventures and all kinds of terrific vegan street food along with uplifting spiritual transformation. So welcome, Bianca and Michael. Thank you so much for having us. It's such a delight to be here. <laughs> well, it's... Victoria, it's, I'm to talk to you. <laughs> thank you. I just so appreciate that. You know, lots of times when I hear from publicists and they're, they're trying to get me excited about their clients, and sometimes they have to work really, really hard, and sometimes they fail. <laughs> but with you, 
your your lovely publicist it didn't have to work hard at all because once I started reading about you it's like oh these are kindred spirits we'd be friends if we lived close so oh, I guess we can be friends anyway yes. and uh, <laughs> let's just get acquainted since I don't really know you yet except by reputation and and uh, probably some of my listeners are not familiar with you so Bianca, do you want to start first? Just tell us a little about yourself, your history, maybe how you guys teamed up. Yeah, well, it's kind of a, it's a fascinating journey. I never expected to be doing what I'm doing right now. You know, I'm originally from the East Coast, was raised in a very, um, you know, traditional Christian meat-eating Southern <laughs> family and, um, you know, always kind of felt a craving for, for healing and a craving for adventure that wasn't necessarily available for me, you know, in sort of a, the political life in Washington, D.C. And so, um, although I was trained as an attorney, that background is what brought me to Los Angeles uh, to work at a big movie studio studio and kind of got me my first introduction to, uh, you know, the TV business and the entertainment industry. And I discovered very quickly that as exciting as it is, there's not many stories that are inspiring and enlightening, you know, on mainstream TV, at least 15 years ago when we started. Um, and that I think was kind of what, what made me open to the journey. And I met Michael and um, really uh, took my life in a very different direction. Yeah. We, I, uh, Go ahead, Michael. Well, we, you know, it's it's been it was an interesting uh, connection. So we met at a gay party in uh, in Hollywood, and uh, as all straight San Francisco natives know, go to gay parties. There's beautiful, smart women, and no competition. Um, and so we, uh, when we connected for the first time, you know, my background, born and raised in San Francisco, uh, you know, spent many many years, uh, really from the age of six or seven on. Uh, being concerned about the environment, being committed about the environment, going to John Muir's house as a little kid, um, you know, buying, uh, you know, rainforest, uh, whales, things like that to support the environment. And so when we first connected, um, Bianca, you know, this Ivy League educated attorney didn't know much about the environment. And frankly, it felt to her the environmental movement um, it was very sort of lily white. There wasn't a, a lot of concern about diversity, wasn't a lot of concern about black people. There was more concern about the whales uh, and the polar bears. And so we initially had our initial sort of battle uh, royale over, you know, the importance of the environmental movement and, you know, sort of born out of this uh, unique juxtaposition, this love and also the two very strong people with kind of opposing values uh, or what appeared to be opposing values. We began to sort of, um, you know, discover that there was a, a mission for us, a shared mission for us. Uh, and that's, you know, sort of how we, how we became Conscious Living. I love that. And something that I'd wanted to ask you about later, but I'm going to ask you now since you brought it up, is we've been hearing, particularly for the past few years in, in the U.S. certainly, that people are so separated that there might never be a way to, to get together again. And you guys got together and you got married. So how can people who, who disagree and maybe strongly disagree on certain issues still respect one another? Well, that's a great question. I mean, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, there's so much, as you said, there's so much uh, sort of um, – sort of polar opposition to each other. And, and a lot of it just really comes down to semantics, uh, 
whether it's the melanin, the amount of melanin in our skin, whether it's the, you know, who, who we voted for or whether it's sort of what God is, is uh, the God that we sort of uh, bow to or pray to or none at all. And so, you know, from, from our standpoint, really the, you know, the glue that I think is helping us and we see it happening already, the glue that's allowing us to sort of transcend these surface separations that that the powers that be want to amplify um, is love and it really is a love a love for humanity a love for each other and a curiosity and that's one of the reasons why conscious living is a, is a travel show is that you know inside of curiosity and inside of that space of willingness to be curious about somebody else's experience and willingness to at least hold the possibility that this is another human being uh, who loves and and wants to be loved that inside of that there is a tremendous amount of possibility um, for connection and for transcending uh, what appears to be uh, opposites anything else on that Bianca yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, love is the only weapon that cannot be withstood by anyone. It's what we all crave and what we all want. However, the way that we go about getting that is not always the most loving and the most compassionate. I think, you know, traveling is so amazing and, and, and not just traveling, you know, across the world to Bali and Berlin and all the places that we've been, which we'll see on our, our show on PBS this season, but traveling outside of your own personal comfort zone and just reaching out and saying hi to the, you know, neighbor that lives next door. You know, we live in a world now where neighbors don't even speak to each other. You know, talking to the person that's in the elevator with you or in the, you know, the, the train that you're riding and just stepping outside of your own personal comfort zone, which means we have to give up something. We have to give up our pride. We have to give up looking good. We have to give up not knowing how the other side's going to respond. And I think that's a big piece of the division, you know, the racial division, and the gender division is that, you know, the black people are any of the white people, the white people are any of the black people. And you should be ashamed. This people feels guilty and you should come to me because I'm more victimized. And it's like, you know, no relationship is founded on that type of approach. And so really treating each other and treating the world using the golden rule you know, if I were in a relationship with this person, if this were my lover or my husband or my child, how would I interact with them? How would I speak to them? Because we're all brothers and sisters, you know, under the same sun. And, and that is, you know, I think that the journey of conscious living, because Michael and I are often the least conscious people and the least willing to, you know, be better, which is why we're, you know, in this journey and documenting the journey, which is both an inner and an outer uh, adventure, you know, to try to be better. But it does, it does require effort. And it's interesting, uh, you know, as she's talking, you know, I was thinking about we in the beginning of 2017, right after Trump had been elected, we left the country and we spent a year in Asia. And that's most of what you'll see on this season on PBS uh, is our adventures in Japan and, and uh, you know, Bali and uh, and uh, Singapore and uh, you know all over Asia. It was really an incredible experience. But when we returned, what we realized is that we drove cross country and uh, drove from the East Coast to the West Coast. And because we hadn't driven our car within the first 24 hours, all four of our tires went flat. And so we were in the middle of Kentucky, we were in the middle of Indiana, and, you know, all around us were uh, sort of Trump, uh, you know, stickers and people that said, you know, God brought Trump to get rid of the devil and things like that. And uh, which, you know, politically is not necessarily our, you know, our belief system. But what was so interesting about that is that is that in the middle of this, which we perceived might be, you know, they wouldn't like us. Here's this interracial couple in a blue Prius. Right. Um, you know, why, why would they want to help us? But there was there were some of the most giving 
welcoming and loving and kind people that we had ever met. They like really willing to like drive back to their house to get a jack to help us out to, you know, over and over and over again, not just one time, like four or five, six times each time we, we blew a tire. One guy was, uh, you know, opened his business, um, you know, came out of the fields and came back to open his business two hours after it already closed. And so I think, you know, for us, what I'm really present to is that, you know, and yet, and yet there's many sort of liberal people that are in New York City or in uh, any big city, San Francisco, where I grew up in, and there's really no uh, interest in the homeless people or the, or the people that are suffering next to them. And so what I think that really shows is that we all have good in us and we all have things that are maybe uh, darker. And so I think if we can begin to focus on the good, we can transcend it. And so often it seems to me when somebody really sees a need, you know, there you are and, and you've got a flat, then that that goodness comes out. It's the same with animals. You know, people can be having their, their lunch with their chicken salad and then somebody sees an injured bird and everybody mobilizes, you know, we're going to take care of this creature. Yeah. And there's a disconnect with the chicken, but but I think maybe that's what yoga teaches. And Bianca, you're you're a yogi. You can uh, confirm or deny this, but that we really are uh, the divine within each and every one of us, and uh, that comes out when motivated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the, the powerful things about yoga is that it reminds us that we're not just physical beings. We're spiritual beings having a physical experience. And when we remember that about ourselves, we don't take this physicality, these bodies, our skin color, our race, our gender, where we're from, what we eat or don't eat, so seriously. You know, a lot of us, we carry our personality so seriously and so heavy. We don't realize that this is just, it's like a Halloween costume. It's one lifetime, right? You know, it's like you will shed it and then move on and evolve and so and so. And and we're here in these bodies and this race and gender and, you know, country, wherever we live, because they're very very beautiful, very particular lessons that have been designed for our spiritual and our soul evolution. As we approach life from that perspective, we realize that all the work that there is to do out in the world is inside of ourselves. You know, being the change we want to see is, you know, a very cliche term, but it's really the hardest work there is on the planet. And if we fix whatever, you know, is broken inside of ourselves and, and learn to become whole, whether it's, you know, meditating and learning to be still and, you know, creating more um, uh, self-care and health care for ourselves, then we, of course, can extend that compassion out to others. It's, it's a, it comes from the inside out. And that is really the path of the yogi. And it changes everything, changes everything. When you start to see yourself as this body is what you said. I've never heard Halloween costume, but I like that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. It could be the best Halloween costume ever, but yeah, you're still going to take it off. It's, it's just one costume, you know? <laughs> and since you quoted Gandhi, Bianca, I would like to share a quotation that I had never heard before, and this is in Michael's email signature. And Gandhi said, and, and I want to say this because of what you said, Michael, that, you know, you guys are the last people to be perfect or whatever, as or are we all. <laughs> but you have here... My imperfections and failures are as much a blessing from God as my successes and my talents, and I lay them both at his feet. What a powerful quotation, and why did you choose that one, Michael? Well, I think, you know, I mean, that is my life. You know, I am um, 
on a daily basis, I get present to my foibles and the mistakes that I make and all of those things. And yet what I've found is that as I continue to allow myself to take those you know, all the ways that I don't meet my own expectations, all the ways that I disappoint my wife, all the ways that I frustrate other people that I interact with on a daily basis, but realizing that those, you know, giving those over to the divine and laying them at the feet of the divine really is my power because inside of that, it gives space for the divine to do what the divine does. You know, it's, it, it, is the, it is the grace of God. It is that grace of, of realizing that I am, I am far from perfect, yet still I am a, a, a messenger. You know, it comes to me, you know, the, uh, uh, you know uh, when um, Moses was asked to, you know, lead the people to the promised land, and he was a stutterer. And he was, you know, the last person who was supposed to talk to people. And yet God said, no, you're the guy. You're my guy. So you go do it, despite the fact that he was a stutterer. Yeah, and I think, you know, that, that really requires coming back to the path of conscious living, a, a sense of humility, a sense of submission to a higher power, whatever you call it, the universe, the earth, Mother Earth, Mama Pacha, God, Christ, Krishna, Buddha, whoever, you know, you believe in to humble yourself and say, okay, there's a plan that's bigger than what maybe I know. I'm not omniscient. I'm not omnipresent. I'm not omnipotent. I may be powerful, but I'm not omnipotent. And in that humility, we surrender our personal desires, our personal ambitions, and our personal sort of agendas, which often are much, much smaller than what the universe has in store for us. And from that place of service, anything is possible and everything is possible. And that's really the foundation and what has allowed conscious living to be and to sustain and to be, you know, on the platforms uh, that it is right now. That is, that is so cool. So let's define conscious living. Description, definition, not of the show just yet, but of the, of the term, then we'll get to the show. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, to us, conscious living is really about being willing to be mindful. It's, it's, it's about an awareness and awakeness, conscious versus unconscious, right? You think of a, a comatose or a, a cadaver, unconscious, someone who's knocked out versus being awake, aware, and mindful. And it requires really a sensitivity to what's going on around me, what's going on inside of me, what am I putting in my body? What am I putting on my body? You know, what is my carbon footprint? What's my impact on the planet? What's the impact of my vibration on others? Do I lift people's spirits or do I bring them down? And so conscious living is really just about, it's about perfection. It's about making the choice to be more mindful, making the choice to be aware as a witness first of yourself, of your environment, of your surroundings, of the world and what's happening. And, and if you choose to make a more conscious choice to raise the vibration and to to make the world um the world you know which you'd like to see and so for us that is a daily journey that like i said many days we do not uh succeed <laughs> at that at that task but you know it's the practice like yoga of coming back day after day moment after moment and saying i'm going to be conscious this moment and for us that's what conscious living is about Ooh, love it now you've also used the term mindful so while we're in dictionary mode Let's just talk about what is mindful. You want to tackle that one, Michael? Sure. Um, you know, mindful is the presence um, and is really the, the, the practice of being present, present with what is happening in this particular moment, not a minute ago, not an hour ago, not 10 years ago, and not a minute from now, five minutes from now, 10 minutes from now. It is really about the practice of being present and being aware that in each and every moment, that is a unique 
and and new moment. And inside of that, um, there is the possibility to to be present to what is there greater than me and my personal agenda. And for us, it's the presence of the divine. And um, it's easier said than done, but um, it is really um, that opportunity to be present. Yeah, and I think that mindfulness, the consciousness, what's so exciting about it for me is that it gives me a choice. It gives me a chance, right? I may have blown the the past moment because I got pissed because someone cut me off in the 405, right? But then there's the next moment, right? And I can make a different choice. So it's never too late, and there's always, you know, a path for improvement and growth. So I think it it's inspiring, um, you know, to know that, you know, the universe doesn't give up on us. There's always another chance. Well, speaking of not giving up, you know, there are a lot of people listening who would like to have a wonderful partnership in life, as as you guys do, and that has not maybe worked out yet. So I just want to know. How compatible, once you got past your environmental debate, mm-hmm. were you both spiritual? Were you both vegan or vegetarian? Or did some of these things kind of cross-pollinate later? Yeah, well, I, it's a really good question. I think, you know, we um, really discovered the path together. So mm-hmm. I was an environmentalist. Bianca was not. Um, and yet there was a, a curiosity and a receptivity and a willingness to at least engage in a Uh, a debate about, um, you know, the use of eco-friendly cleaning products, despite the fact that she was the one cleaning my dirty underwear. Uh, She was at least open to it after several months. Um, At first I wasn't. I was like, I'm washing your drawers. Back off. I'm going to wash it in time. Please do not criticize my detergent. Thank you very much. Until I understood that one cup of traditional detergent like Tide kills a cubic foot of phytoplankton in the ocean, which sucks out you know, carbon dioxide and, and it's oxygen. It's a natural, you know, reversal to global warming just with my laundry detergent. So I was like, whoa, mind blown. And, you know, at that point I was like, okay, I think there's a lot more I, I need to learn. <laughs> and the same thing would uh, would be true of the of our path to becoming vegan uh, nearly 11 years ago now. Uh, you know, because of my background as a holistic entrepreneur, uh, I had been, you know, sort of made aware of the power of detoxing and seasonal detoxing and how it's been used in, you know, 10,000 years of Chinese medicine medicine and 5,000 years of Ayurvedic uh, medicine. And then with the seasons, you detox. And so I, uh, we began to detox with Bianca and uh, slowly but surely she realized, you know, she was having some digestion issues, uh, was not able to, you know, release on a daily basis the way that she wanted to. And, and we began a conversation of saying, hey, maybe you're not meant to eat meat. Uh, and then she began to question and say, you know, when I was a little kid, I remember not wanting to be eat meat and I was being forced to eat meat. And so it was from that that one day she sort of bit into a tuna sandwich and said, this is wrong. I don't want to do this. And then at that point, she went vegetarian. And so to support her, I went vegetarian too in that moment. So that's really kind of been the um, the, the genesis of it's been a, a curiosity and really a willingness to have a conversation. And it's funny, the mindfulness path, the spiritual path, which I didn't start meditating until I met Michael or even practicing yoga. He was like, hey, let's go to yoga. It's like, oh, I meditate every day, even just five minutes. I was like, five minutes? How can that make a difference? Right. And everyone's like, oh, I have to do meditation. Right. And I don't know how to do it. It's like, just sit still, close your eyes. (laughs) Anybody can do it. But, you know, it was a big change for me. And just that time to become more aware, I became more sensitive. Like that's a big piece of what consciousness is about. It's about being sensitive. And in that sensitivity, I, you know, I'm a creature of habit. I had a tuna fish sandwich every single day with mayo and cheese, right? Every day for lunch. And then one day I bit into it. It was just like, 
something just didn't feel right because between the cleansing and the meditation, you know, there was a different attunement. So I was more aware of just the vibration of, of, I guess the death and, and that's what didn't feel right. And then I was like, okay, well now we have to go on a journey to find, I need a replacement. How can I find vegan tuna? And, you know, we went on this journey and luckily he's a chef and loves preparing food and I love eating food. So it really evolved organically. That is so beautiful. And I'm going to ask you the question that I ask a lot of guests. And the truth is, I don't know that anybody has an answer, but I love getting opinions. Why do you think it is that that day you bit into that sandwich and you had an epiphany and you happened to be with a guy who was willing to go along with it too? So people Millions and millions of people today will bite into tuna fish sandwiches with mayo and cheese. And most of them probably are not going to have the epiphany. Is there any way for the sake of the planet, for the sake of all life, mm. that, that we can prime people for their epiphany? Oh, yeah. Mm. I love that. What a great question. I mean, I would just say all I can do is speak from my personal experience and experience. You know, both Michael and I are plant-based nutritionists and have led detox courses and classes. And we have a book, The Conscious Living 10-Day Detox, which is now on Amazon. You can download. Great for post-Thanksgiving, post-holiday or, you know, jumping into the new year. But for, for me, I think the journey is just having a desire to do better. You know, I was eating yogurt. I said I eat yogurt and dairy every single day. And Michael explained to me, hey, do you know what's happening to the to the, the cows and the baby cat? Like this is the dairy industry. What it does to like the family unit of cows is just so devastating. And I was like, yeah, but I really love my yogurt. But what that created in me, I was like, you know, I want to do better. I had a desire first and intention to make a change. It started first with that. It was months, months, if not years later that I finally went vegan as part of a story we were doing on an African-American restaurateur in Chicago who leads detox classes, Karen Calabrese. So I love Karen. That seed didn't sprout until 10 years later, you know, with years of meditation, with years of detoxing. So my body was able to, you know, receive a new way of living. And I think if you just have an intention to go vegan, even if you haven't done it yet, like the universe, you know, will take 10 steps for you if you just take one step. And I think it starts just with a heart of compassion and a heart of, of wanting to do better and wanting to be more, you know, kind to animals, to ourselves and to the planet. And then there will be an opportunity that will come at a moment you will not be able to predict where you'll be able to, to make that next step. And I think, you know, the, to me, the, 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 it really is just the power of the pause. If, if a, a mindfulness practice, even if it looks like a minute a day, or even if it looks like being willing to turn off the TV while you eat and just be with what you're eating and take 30 seconds or a minute after you eat, what will happen is you will begin to attune to what your body may want or you begin to attune to what is different for you other than just the agenda and the track that we're all running on. The habit. Yeah. The, the habit of, of sort of being a human doing rather than a human being. And I think the mindfulness practice and the power of the pause gives us access to our beingness. And in our beingness, we're going to begin to make different choices than we've made in our doingness. That's so beautiful. Now, we're going to have to call on the power of the pause here coming right up for some really uplifting announcements from Unity Online Radio. These folks are the voice of an awakening world, so let's listen, and we'll be back.
Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. I have a couple of announcements before we continue our beautiful, spiritual, and spirited conversation with Bianca and Michael Alexander of Conscious Living TV. And you can find them at ConsciousLivingTV.com and Conscious Living TV on Facebook and Instagram. And we'll put all that, of course, in the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net where you can also find out other things that are going on in the wonderful world of Main Street Vegan, especially Main Street Vegan Academy, which is having its 32nd class this January, four weekends in January and February. And as a result of this course, you become a certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator. So our graduates are coaching, teaching, podcasting, writing books, working for vegan companies, working for nonprofits, starting businesses. I'm just so proud of them. I feel like even though my daughter has told me I will never have grandchildren, I have 550 amazing Main Street Vegan Academy graduates and counting in 32 countries around the world. And some of their businesses include V Marks the Shop, that's a wonderful bodega in Philadelphia. Riverdale Cheese, that's a vegan fromagerie on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. We've got Cat Mendenhall Cowboy Boots in Dallas and Lautizan Bakery in Miami Beach. So all over the place. And the seeds were planted at Main Street Vegan Academy. So do check us out, MainStreetVegan.net. There's also a way to uh, get a call with me if you need some extra help, if you need help with tuition, if you need a payment plan, whatever it takes. If this is the next step on your path, we're here to make sure that you can take it. And also, I want to remind you that we're coming up on the fourth Sunday of the month, which means that the Compassion Consortium, an interfaith, interspiritual, interspecies center, will be meeting on Zoom 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And our special guest, November 28th, is Chief Phil Lane, who is enrolled member of the Ikan Tanwan, Dakota, and Chickasaw Nations, and he'll be talking about Native American spirituality from a vegan perspective. And in addition, we have music and prayer and meditation and optional time at the end for fellowship. No charge, of course, but you do need to register, so please visit CompassionConsortium.org. 
G. And now let's get back to our wonderful conversation with two people that I am just falling in love with, Bianca and Michael Alexander of Conscious Living TV. So let's talk about the TV and the streaming on Amazon and all these things that are going on uh, video-wise for you guys. What is this current season all about? Yeah, well, it's all about what your work is about, Victoria. I mean, the connection, the community. I want to be a part of that uh, Zoom conversation. You know, for us, the show is really about being open to the conversation of what it takes to be a more mindful human. And, you know, we are taking viewers and ourselves across the globe in cities, both in the U.S. and abroad, on that journey. And that includes, you know, the best vegan cuisine, staying in green, eco-friendly luxury accommodations that are, you know, on the cutting edge of renewable energy, many of them, um, wearing eco-ethical fashion that we know has been produced in accordance with fair trade principles where the people that make our clothes are treated with respect and dignity. And, you know, of course, spiritual adventures and holistic health adventures where we, you know, are in India doing Ayurvedic Panchakarma detox according to the 5,000-year-old tradition, and uh, also in yoga retreats uh, you know, across the world, learning how to meditate with different experts who are guiding us both inward and outward. So the show includes some of everything that, that we're excited about and that we're learning ourselves. That sounds so exciting. So I think you said earlier that you're in Asia this season. You're in Singapore, Japan. Did I hear that right? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, the current season on PBS, uh, a lot of the season takes place in Asia. Uh, a lot of the episodes, um, which is just a really beautiful uh, part of the world. Um, and uh, yeah, as Bianca said, it's you know everywhere from you know Singapore, which to me um, is one of the greatest food cities in the world. You can go to uh, hawker marts, um, which are basically just like little flea markets in, in um, parking lots, and get some of the most divine vegan food you've ever had. And cheapest. Um, <laughs> and cheapest, like for 50 cents, you can get incredible, you know, dishes. Um, Noodles, to, tofu. And <laughs> yes, like uh, vegan duck, mock duck, um, just all kinds of uh, incredible uh, incredible food in um, in Singapore and, and really every everywhere else in Asia and you know that's a big piece of, of what the this season is you know conscious living is really our journey to say how can we be more mindful you know we uh, a lot of it is us turning the cameras on ourselves and you know our stumbling best and our struggles in how do we you know we're in this place how do we find a great vegan restaurant and oftentimes you know it starts with the with the with the food and then begins from there and we we connect with somebody who as we did in Berlin who said hey there's this uh you know, there's this, um, you know, a flash mob that's happening to protest for workers' rights in front of a, a big uh, fast fashion house in the middle of Alexanderplatz in Berlin, uh, in East Germany. And, uh, you know, why don't you join? And, uh, you know, and so our adventures sort of start from many times just, uh, you know, start with once we felt our belly, where, where do we go next? And we ended up in that episode, which we'll see, which is the first one now streaming on, on PBS. We ended up actually participating 
as models in the runway show just by happenstance. So, you know, holding posters saying who made your clothes and fashion revolution. I mean, just we try to immerse ourselves in the culture wherever we go. And we have so much to learn from so many people. And, and the process of our distribution on PBS has also been you know, similarly organic. You know, we started producing web episodes many, many years ago, like around the time when YouTube launched. It was just three minutes, five minutes. And then we built to other distribution platforms. We've been in the back, the screens of the back of taxi cabs um, on AOL and then worked our way up to Amazon Prime. Our first three seasons are now streaming on, on Amazon Prime, which you can you know download. Uh, and then PBS, the platform, um, emerged uh, this spring. Uh, and so we're really excited about that because it just, you know, made our reach exponentially bigger than it was before in such a trusted and, you know, respected network. And, um, and then we just got uh, Greenlit picked up for our next season on PBS, which will be airing uh, 2022, 2023. So it looks like we're, we're going to be in this game for a while. And Aww. there's so many more stories to tell. And we're so thrilled to be able to shine a light on, you know, many people and communities and pioneers and sustainability and spirituality that you know, often get very little airtime on mainstream media. Well, your success is well-deserved. It's thrilling. And how wonderful that these big media companies are seeing that the desire for conscious programming is really there. I mean, that's something that we've been trying to do on Unity Online Radio for a really long time. And it's so cool to see that it's really going mainstream. Now, in your travels, uh, recent and early on, I would just love to hear from each of you, what is your absolutely no-holds-barred favorite place on earth? Well, goodness, that is such a hard question to answer. I mean, I love so many places for so many different things. I mean, I love Paris. I was a language major, uh, language and literature, and I speak French. And so being in France, just to have the chance to speak the language is just for me so uh, educational and illuminating. But I, I have to say, you know, one of the favorite places that you'll see in this season on PBS is, is India, the spirituality. I mean, of course, from a material perspective, you know, it is what one would consider, I even hate to use this term, a third world country, you know, not uh, sort of as accessible to the the excess materialism that we have here in Western um, parts of the world. But just the, the depth of spirituality there is just a profound walking on sacred land everywhere you go and temples everywhere it's embedded spirituality in the the culture the people themselves and one of my favorite places was just dunking myself submerging myself in the ganges in the holy ganges river the the, the energy in that water it's ice cold first of all it's ice cold but the vibration and the quality and they've tested scientifically the mineral you know sort of uh, makeup is just scientifically transformational in in what it can do and its healing properties and i i dunked and each time i would submerge myself i would say a prayer for different people in different parts of the world i mean i must have submerged hundreds of times and so it was just really a truly spiritually transformative experience and that you know as soon as we're able to, to get on a plane that's one of the first places on my list just for the, you know the, the power for spiritual healing it's so interesting that you are bringing up the, the Ganges River Mother Ganga in this episode because the person who was on last week, Asadvi Bhagavati Saraswati, had her spiritual experience and life transformation in that river. Do you know her book, Hollywood to the Himalayas? 
No. Oh, no. Uh, sounds like somebody you guys uh, would like to connect with. I just think it's this may be the only times we've had the show almost 10 years. I don't know that anybody has mentioned the Ganges River. And wow. now it's two in a row. And I don't consider anything accidental. Wow, that's crazy. And I mean, Rishikesh is beautiful for, for many reasons. And the Ganges you know, spreads through many different parts of India. But that's what an interesting coincidence. Well, that's where she lives uh, in, in an ashram there. So the next time you go, you guys can connect. Yeah. I, I am an inveterate connector. I love I, I probably was like a matchmaker in, you know, some European village in the <laughs> 1600s yes. because I just love to to connect uh, compatible people. So, Michael, how about a favorite place for you? Well, I think that for me there's really like a top three. I, I mean, I really love Bali, I must say. There is something about the energy there and the people and the land and hopping on a scooter and sort of driving through the rice fields and – uh, just the daily devotion, you know, there's something about being amongst a people that are so devotional. Um, there's so much love in their heart for the divine. And, you know, there's certain aspects of it that, that could be perceived as ritualistic. But, you know, despite that, um, there is a really a beautiful, um, you know, 5,000 years of sort of tradition inside of uh, the Balinese people. And um, it's just a really special, special place. Um, you know, for me, my stomach, wants me to mention that that the absolute best food I've ever had, uh, just meal after meal, was in Vietnam. <clears throat> yes. Um, and they just hit it out of the park every single time yes. from the textures to the flavors to the taste. Vietnam is ridiculous yeah. for vegan food. We ate so well there. Um, and it was just uh, – it's a really beautiful place also because, you know, in, in Vietnam, it's not the Vietnam Vietnam War, it's the American War. Mm -hmm. So there's also, you know, that interesting sort of tension between certainly that I felt as a white man being in Vietnam, you know, we sort of America brought the war to Vietnam. And so it was really interesting sort of seeing the other side of our colonialism mm -hmm. and our imperialism as a country and the impact um, on another people. And so for me, that was also really beautiful. And also, I, I, you know, I, I must say I love um, I love being in Italy. And specifically in Umbria, I feel definitely yes. uh, deep spiritual ties. There's a wonderful hotel that was built from an old monastery for solo travelers, people traveling uh, alone, and they serve uh, vegan and vegetarian food, and it's super quiet. They're way off the grid in Umbria, and that was just uh, very magical. Like all the rooms are named after uh, Italian saints. So uh, those are, I would say, at least in this moment, uh, my top three. Yeah, and you can watch all of those on, on the show because we've documented pretty much all, everything we talked about. Oh, good, because I was thinking I want to go all these places, but <laughs> not quite time, so good. We'll be able to watch them on the show. So I'll tell you my favorite place. Well, my favorite place is London because that's uh -huh. where I just always go. But uh -huh. the most spiritual, magical, incredible place I have ever been, and if you haven't been there yet, I hope you'll go, and that is Tibet. Have you done that one? Oh, no. I haven't been there yet. Oh, Hard my to God. Get there, though, isn't it? Like, how do you even get there? No, you can take a, a plane from Chengdu in China. Okay. I do think at least when, when I was there, and we're talking the 1990s, it's been a long time, but you had to go in from China, and of course, China sees Tibet as China. And I China. do not, and the Tibetan people yes. do not. But even with that occupied state, 
it was where I really saw spirituality juxtaposed with material life, just almost the way a, a garment that's dyed, where you, you can't tell the difference between the dye and, and the garment. So wow. people mm. would be prostrating themselves around the Jokan marketplace, you know, standing up, lying down, you know, on right. their stomachs and then back up again. I don't know how they manage that. So they're doing their that spiritual practice. Others are walking with the um, prayer beads or with the prayer wheel. And you'll see people like bargaining for for items to buy, but the, the prayer beads are going behind their back. It was it was just wow. it was stunning. You know, that, that pray without ceasing line wow. from the Bible just kept coming up to me. It's like, oh, this is what it means. Pray without ceasing. And it's uh -huh. in the, the culture, it's in the DNA. Oh, there are amazing places. Yeah, a wonderful experience. I was asking a, a spiritual teacher recently how it is that some places seem to be extra holy when we know that the divine is at all times everywhere. What do you think of that question? Well, I would just say that, you know, yes, the divine is everywhere, but, um, you know, there are saints, there are people that are more, uh, you know, maybe, maybe spiritually attuned. Paramahansa Yogananda talks about that we're, you know, we're all diamonds, but some souls uh, in, in each particular incarnation have less uh, dirt or mud on them, and they're a better able to reflect the divine. And I think, you know, inside of that, there are certain places on the in the world where those saints and those um, holy people that have lived, uh, whether it's St. Francis, Francis, or whether it's the Buddha, or whether it's um, Muhammad, or whether, you know, whatever, uh, whatever it is, there are certain places that they've lived where they've walked the land, they've really saturated that land with that spiritual energy. And when you walk onto that place, you feel it, you know, Mount Washington uh, in Los Angeles at the, um, at the top of Mount Washington in Los Angeles, uh, where the Self-Realization Fellowship um, headquarters is, is one of the most um, spiritual places on the planet that, that I've ever been to, including everywhere in I India. Yes. Because Paramahansa Yogananda, who is, who is one of the key people that brought yoga to the West, lived there and worked there for 30 years. It is so incredibly saturated with his love and his blessings. Great place to meditate, for sure. I mean, you just go deeper automatically because the vibration and the space is there. And I think places like that are, are similar to vortexes. You know, our very first episode of Conscious Living was broadcast and produced in Sedona, Arizona. The, the, the idea came from our honeymoon. Uh, when we went to Bali, which was our very first time in Asia and fell in love with it from that point. And it was sprouted in the divine sort of vortex of Bali, which is a very feminine energy. It's a very womb-like energy. Um, and then we produced the first episode in Sedona, which is also a vortex, you know, which are places where ley lines and electromagnetic lines intersect, you know, on, on the earth. And that's where we were able to sort of broadcast through the masculine energy, kind of the projecting energy of Sedona, our first episode. So there are certain places on the earth that are just charged with different energy and inner connectivity. They're, they're what, 
some people might call portals, you know, where the veils are thinner. Bali is one of those places. And, you know, many vortexes, you know, here we're in uh, the Palm Springs area and there's lots of healing waters and natural springs. You feel the veils are thinner in places like this where you can sort of tap into the divine and express those things that sometimes get covered up, you know, living um, the material world. So it's good to go to those places, um, even though we may not understand exactly why they're so sacred and so special. You can feel it. You're reminding me that sometimes it's just good to duck into a church if yeah. the doors are open <laughs> or, or, or into a, a beautiful natural setting and just sit. Yeah. You know, there's, I, I wrote a book um, quite a while ago called Creating a Charmed Life and it's little essays and one of them is called Practice the Vacation Principle with uh. the idea that when we're traveling different mindset we're we're looking for something splendid and we're more patient with standing in lines or paying full price or whatever it is you have to do when you're in a place where you don't know <laughs> the right. underside and how to, how to you know maneuver things that maybe you you would know at home and right. I just think that idea of having this beautiful mindset that you're sharing with us today from your travels with us every day, wherever we are, it, it's just a great skill to develop. Yeah, it is. You know, there's beauty all around us and there's refuge all around us. Our guru Paramahansa Yogananda says that, you know, meditation and the practice of yoga is like carrying a portable paradise with you everywhere you go. And, <laughs> and that's available at all times. And it's it's easy to forget when you get stressed and, you know, the responsibilities of, of daily life. But there's so many places and I, I agree with you. I love the idea of, you know, popping into churches. We did a lot of that when we were in Europe, um, in Germany, because there's Catholic churches everywhere and and the energy and the prayers and those cathedrals and the architecture and the beautiful ceilings. It's like, yes, I practice yoga, you know, and I am a member of the church of all religions and the divine is everywhere. And so, you know, taking advantage of that and, and allowing ourselves not to get too boxed into like, okay, well, I can't meditate or until I go home and I'm sitting on my perfect kitchen and I have my beads and, you know, it's like creating that paradise and, and taking it with you is, is something that is, I think, a, a mindful practice that we can do in just a couple minutes, you know, oh. wherever we are. I love portable paradise. That is so <laughs> great. And I love it that, that you're devotees of, of Swami Yogananda in, oh golly, this, this goes way back because, um, 1970s, I, I was uh, working as a library assistant for the Theosophical Society in America in Illinois, and the head librarians were a retired uh, German couple, and they had studied with Yogananda back in the 1920s and 30s, and they would share these amazing stories of how he would come out onto the stage as if he was just floating in his aura, and he would say, how is everybody, and the answer that the crowd knew to give was fine and dandy. (laughs) <laughs> and sometimes when I want to feel glum, I am reminded, no, fine and dandy is the thing. And for people who are listening who are not um, familiar with Paramahansa Yogananda, he wrote the classic book on yoga, Autobiography of a Yogi. If you haven't read it, read it 
today, <laughs> tomorrow, if you have to wait to, to get it. But it's really, it's such an important book. So, um, Michael, as an environmentalist, I'm sure that you have heard and thought about that travel is a way that we make a bigger uh, carbon footprint. How can we travel in ways that are kinder to the earth? Well, uh, that's, first of all, that's a great question. Um, and I think, you know, from, from my standpoint, there's really a couple things that we can do. The first thing is clean up after ourselves, right? And that's really sort of the philosophy of conscious living is, is realizing that we're making an impact wherever we go and whatever we do. There's a positive impact. Uh, we bring love. We bring blessings when we go to sacred lands. We do, a, we do an offering to the land, um, to the trees, to the animals there. And so we're giving um, and, and, and uh, in deference and in love to, to the place that we go. But we also have to acknowledge our impact. And so for us, we offset our carbon. So anytime we get on a plane and planes have the biggest carbon impact, we go to uh, cool cur- coolcurrents.org. It's a nonprofit. And for, you know, 20, uh, 20, 30, $40, you can offset all the carbon from your travel and, um, you know, at least from the air portion. And so that for us is a key aspect of accepting and recognizing that you can travel with a lower carbon footprint. I think the other part for us, um, well, there's a couple others, uh, is obviously eating a plant-based diet and recognizing that that the more that we build demand in other parts of the world for uh, a plant-based diet and in our in our uh, very place the more that it's going to be provided the more people that are going to be eating it and knowing as as demand grows supply grows as supply grows demand goes and so i think that's a um, you know, and you can reduce number one as a human being, you can reduce your carbon footprint by up to 80% simply by adopting a plant-based diet, which I know many of your viewers know. And, you know, the other thing that we're, uh, exploring as a, you know, as a show and as individuals is, you know, when we go, how can we, uh, how can we travel in a, in a way that will add to the conservation of that community? Because, you know, you see some places of Thailand that we've been to and they've been just ravaged by excessive, uh, tourism. And so one of the things that we're exploring in this upcoming season that will be airing next year on PBS is when we go to certain places, can we adopt a conservation attitude and go and, and support the conservation efforts and really making a meaningful contribution to the conservation of that place rather than just sort of going and, um, you know, drinking from plastic bottles and, um, you know, and, and, and all those kinds of things. So, so are we, are we adding to the conservation and are we, you know, staying at green hotels? Are we, are we making sure that there's, uh, you know, alternative energy supporting it? Things like that. Yeah. I mean, I love staying at green hotels, A, because, you know, they tend to be more, you know, um, anti-allergy. So they've got, you know, the best sort of pillows and, you know, they have air filters in the rooms and usually there's a wellness floor. Like we recently stayed at the uh, uh, Four Seasons in Beverly Hills and they have an entire floor dedicated to wellness and green living wall. And, you know, we're heading to Vegas for a shoot. There's a hotel that, you know, their rooftop is, you know, a, a solar farm, you know. So I like love that. Things you would never know. And you're still getting the best of, you know, uh, the four-star service if that's what you want. But nowadays, you know, hotels, they know that consumers are looking for more eco-friendly options. And so that's an easy way to book a, book a green hotel. Um, Lovely. And- 
Yeah, we so. need to stop because we're going to be cut off any second. But God okay. bless you guys. I'm just crazy about you. I hope that we'll stay connected. And listeners, you know I've been crazy about you for a long time. So everybody, God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.